What do you call a conversation between two garbage cans? Trash talk. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Starting Sustainability, Episode 74. I am your host, Kaylin Chenoweth. Last week was a really busy, crazy week, and I have so much to catch up with you on about that. This past Sunday was Easter, and <laughs> if it's a little confusing, let me explain. I record these and then give myself about seven days to edit and get everything set and ready. So I record everything like a week in advance before it actually plays. So <laughs> I'm saying last week was Easter because it was literally a few days ago was Easter because today is Wednesday, but you're not gonna get to hear this until Monday, which will be two weekends from now. Now you have a little inside peek of about how I produce this podcast. <laughs> After last week's episode aired, I learned about the living Easter basket. I had no idea that this even existed. <laughs> if you don't know what a living Easter basket is, instead of getting your Easter basket and filling it with that plastic fake Easter grass you can put a little coffee filter or a liner like an old Walmart sack or something inside the basket, fill it with soil, and then put grass seed on top and have your kids add water every day. And within six days, so you only have to do it like a week before Easter, you'll start to see the grass grow. And now you have a living Easter basket with real grass. Once Easter is over, there are lots and lots of different things that you can do with that grass. You can grow wheat grass and harvest it and blend it in your next smoothie if you want or you can feed it to any pets that you may have like if you have a pet rabbit or chickens or anything like that you can also add it into the garden you can add it into your yard there's a lot of options but all of them result in not wasting away plastic easter grass to go into the trash and ultimately the landfill so a very very cool concept to update everybody, I did make it to Goodwill on Friday. Thank goodness I found out on Wednesday that I got Good Friday off. So <laughs> that helped me out a bunch being a super busy mom. I was able to get the basket at Goodwill and then I came home and I decorated it with ribbon that I already have. So now both of my boys have a permanent Easter basket that they can use for year after year as they grow up for all of their Easter fun. What did I put inside the baskets? I was able to find a Reese's chocolate bunny that came in aluminum foil. <laughs> and it was orange because it was Reese's. So when my son opened up the Easter basket and saw that, he goes, oh, a dinosaur. I said, no, no, it's a bunny. It's a chocolate bunny. He goes, it's a dinosaur. Roar. Said, All right, good enough. You can have a chocolate dinosaur. <laughs> so that's what he had. So if you ask him, he will tell you he had a chocolate dinosaur in his Easter basket. I also found little eggs, chocolate candy eggs inside of a cardboard carton. So I was very excited about that. And we absolutely hate jelly beans. <laughs> and since it's my husband and I who are going to be the ones primarily eating all this candy, <laughs> I opted for a movie theater style box of Skittles instead. And it turns out the Skittles inside the box are actually inside of a plastic bag <laughs> that was hidden. I didn't know about that. So I almost had a zero waste Easter basket. I was duped yet again. Another really cool thing that we did this Easter I wanted to share with everybody. When I lived in Texas, which is where I met my husband, there is a Mexican tradition of cascarones. Now, if you don't know what cascarones are, it is basically a 
egg shell, a real live, or not live, but a real egg shell that's been hollowed out and tissue paper confetti is on the inside. And then on Easter, you grab your cascarone, your egg, and you run and chase after each other and you smash the egg on each other's heads. And when the egg gets smashed, confetti flies everywhere. And I was very excited because I found them up here in Indiana. <laughs> and I knew that my husband would be very thrilled about that because that he grew up with that in Texas. And best of all, the cascarones came in a cardboard egg carton. So zero plastic. Everything was completely compostable. Woohoo! <laughs> what did Sustainer Nation do for Easter? I asked, and they responded, as always. Again, the living Easter baskets were real popular. I think that's a really cool concept. And for those that didn't know about it, there are lots of comments of, we are totally doing this next year. A lot of people did real eggs instead of the plastic eggs, which I, <laughs> I was brave enough to dye eggs. My husband was forced into overtime, so it was just me and the two kids, a almost one-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old <laughs> dying Easter eggs with with mess. Yeah, there was a lot of mess, um, but it wasn't too terrible, but we did it. We succeeded. <laughs> and then we also reused plastic eggs from last year. Again, very popular with Sustainer Nation, and that's fine. Just keep reusing them. That's okay. You've already got them. Just keep hanging on to them as long as you can. And then, of course, doing and then, of course, doing local and fair trade chocolates would be would be ideal. I was not able to hunt them down and find them and get them, unfortunately. So that's why I had to go the Reese's route and just tried to do zero waste as much as possible. Another thing that happened this past week is our neighbor, he's a firefighter. His name's Mike. He's a really cool guy. He brought home a bike for our son. It's, it was definitely a used bike, but I didn't care. It was a, like a real big boy bike with training wheels. Right now my son has the little tiny tricycle bikes for four toddlers. So this is the big boy bike. He's very, very excited about it. It's Hot Wheels theme and he's <laughs> so thrilled about it. So we went for a walk. We got the helmet on him. We got the dog on the leash. We got the little brother in the stroller. So my husband pushed the younger one in the stroller and had the, and I had the dog and I took my older son for, and we went for a bike ride, <laughs> just him on the bike, but we all went for a walk and were teaching him how to ride the bike. And it was so cute because his little legs can't quite reach the pedals at the bottom part of the stroke. It was about 20 minutes and he finally was getting the hang of the bike, which is awesome. And then all of a sudden he just started falling over to the left and just kept going. And it was, in my eyes, it was very slow motion and I had to immediately reach out to grab him, except I had the dog leash in my hands. So my, my reaction was not as quick because I had resistance from the dog and he just toppled right over. And I went, what the heck? You, you have training wheels on. How in the world did you fall right over? turns out when you receive a used bike you should probably double check all the nuts and bolts and make sure that everything is secure because the training wheel on the left hand side was not secure it had it was when we started but it had loosened up over the 20 minutes of trying to ride a bike and eventually when the weight went on it it just slipped and flipped and circled right up around and did not support him so over he went <laughs> he cried a little bit but he's a tough kid and Got him back on the bike, tightened it up by hand, and then I kept a very close eye on him on the entire walk slash bike ride all the way home. Last week's episode about 
bathroom products and switching them out for sustainable options was apparently a very popular episode. And I got a lot of positive feedback. And I'm so excited to share that with everybody. What's really cool is that two years ago, when I did the initial bathroom episode, there were a lot of items that I had tried, but I was a lot more items that I was still looking for and wanted information on. And I didn't really get a lot of feedback. It is a really cool thing to see how the podcast community has grown and more and more listeners are there and listeners are staying and giving feedback and the Facebook community has also grown and I love this whole sustainer nation concept as a whole and all the feedback that I get because it's not just me going on this path and learning about all these products and trying them sustainer nation is also doing it and giving feedback and I have a lot of feedback about a products that I talked about that I want to share with you and it's all from sustainer nation so thank you so much sustainer nation for reaching out And it's just, it makes my heart very warm and fuzzy knowing that all this good is happening, that we are really making a difference and helping educate one another. One of the products was face lotion that I was still looking for and hadn't found a sustainable option. (laughs) And then Tori, the media marketing person, she reached out and said, Plain Products has face lotion. (laughs) I should know that. But I, but I didn't because every time I go on there, I'm looking specifically for shampoo, conditioner, and body lotion. <laughs> I should have thought about face lotion and I'm kind of embarrassed that I didn't, but I am 100% going to sign up for the face lotion now. If you've never tried plain products, the promo code is START and that will get you 20% off as a first time customer and you can try it and check it out. Also, for the cotton rounds that you use for makeup wipe removal, I mentioned getting cloth homemade makeup wipes that you can do. Hello, (laughs) we have a store on Etsy, Start Sustainable, because starting sustainability was already taken. So Start Sustainable store on Etsy. We are selling cloth makeup wipe removers that our lovely Amanda, the merchandise maker, has made. So please go and check those out as well. This next group of recommendations all come from Alex. You'll remember her from episode 50, being a part of the trivia team that we did. She wanted to share that Costco now sells bamboo toilet paper and paper towel, at least in the Boston area, because that's where she is. So that's really cool. Unfortunately, I don't shop at Costco, but (laughs) if you do, definitely check it out. And for a bamboo toothbrush company, she found the Sustainable Tomorrow, and they make bamboo electric toothbrushes with replacement heads. And they are planning on developing a bamboo head for the Philips electric toothbrush. Heck yeah! Woohoo! <laughs> so that is awesome. I'm very, very excited. Especially since I'm forced into electric toothbrushes because I have receding gum lines. And now my kid has also discovered my electric toothbrush and refuses his because he wants mummies because mummies is really fun. (laughs) So I guess now he's going to be getting an electric toothbrush for his birthday that's coming up. Another tip, I didn't even cover this in, in the bathroom episode, but she mentioned for makeup, there's a company that makes zero waste mascara, eyeliner, lip balm, and more. And that is Zerico, Z-E-R-R-A-C-O, Zerico.com. And for sunscreen, she recommends a company called Manda, M-A-N-D-A. It's mandanaturals.com. And they make a reef-safe organic sunscreen. 
and the paste is also in a zero waste packaging. And lastly, bitetoothpastebits.com is where you can go to get the toothpaste bites and mouthwash bites. And they also have floss and other products. Oh, and one more, Lush, lushusa.com. I've heard of Lush. I've seen it in the mall. I haven't been to the mall in age. I haven't been to the mall since I've had a kid. (laughs) It's just too much effort. So I have seen the Lush store. I didn't really explore much in it. All I really knew about Lush was the bath bombs. And I did not realize how much Lush has grown. I knew that they were working their way towards more sustainable zero waste options, but they have grown a lot and they offer a wide variety of things, including soap and shampoo bars. So if you want to go in and touch and see and smell the different products that are now zero waste, check out Lush because that's a store that you can go to that I know is pretty common in most areas, at least here in the U.S. I'm not sure outside the U.S. I'm really happy to hear that last week's episode was such a huge hit and I really want to keep it up. (laughs) So let me know. Always give feedback and so many ways to do that. Kaylin, K-A-Y-L-I-N at startingsustainability.com. You can do it on the Facebook group, Starting Sustainability. You can just post it to the group or you can do a little private message to me. And there's also Instagram, starting underscore sustainability. April 22nd is Earth Day. And so I want to celebrate all month long, which I know I'm already like a week or so late. (laughs) But it's never too late to start. So I really want everybody to challenge themselves to do at least one sustainable action each day and try something new each week for the rest of April. And hey, feel free to continue that on into May, June, July, and so on. (laughs) But this week, I want our focus to be reducing our invisible trash. So that brings us to the main topic of the day, which is explaining where waste, both physical and invisible, comes from. And I got pretty much all of this information from Get Mary Johansson from the International Open Academy class that I took. A lot of the waste we generate each day comes from the stuff we put in our household. Waste can be separated into both visible and visible trash. So visible is what you put in your trash bin. Physical trash and unrecyclables, like disposable plastics. So do a trash audit on yourself and see what all is in your bin and what you can cut back on. A majority of the items will be kitchen scraps. And what most people don't know is they're thinking, okay, it's food and it's going to compost and break down on its own. But the problem is when the food goes into a landfill, there's not enough sunlight, there's not enough aerobic, anaerobic bacteria, all that stuff. It doesn't really break down in the landfill. And the little tiny bits that are able to break down produce methane as a result. If you do it in your own compost pile or send it to a compost facility, it'll break down properly and basically return back to the earth in the form of soil and no methane will be produced as a result of that, doing it the, as a result of doing it the proper way, the natural way, outside of a landfill. Other forms of physical trash include discarded household items like clothes, furniture, gadgets, electronics. Everything will break at some point and broken items can be better or worse for the environment depending on how you treat them. The mentality is to place a broken or unwanted item on the sidewalk and at some point someone will come by and pick it up. (laughs) And that's really the worst thing that you can do. Please attempt to repair Do you know someone who can use the materials for something else? Can you recycle it? 
clothes really never need to go in the landfill. And unfortunately, 20% of the landfill, that's one-fifth, is made from organic material like clothes. Please donate these items to charity, secondhand shops, somebody someplace somewhere will take them and utilize them. Kitchen gadgets. These are unique items that are created poorly and break easily and are usually a part of a trend. They are very difficult to repair because you can't get replacement parts or there's not a repair service available. Also, it's hard to repurpose or recycle these items. So do your best to avoid the cute, trendy kitchen gadgets. And if you already have some, use the daylights out of them. Just keep using them until they break and then never buy them again. If you made it this far in life without them, you don't truly really need them. Like an avocado slicer, banana slicer, grape slicer, cherry pit picker, olive picker. I even bought a ceramic microwavable egg cooker from Pampered Chef and I used it twice. And when I want eggs, I always make them in the pan (laughs) and never use the stupid egg cooker. So I gave it away to somebody that would use it. I also got cookie cooling racks and used them twice. And both times I put the hot cookies on them and then they fell right through the slats before they even finished cooling. (laughs) So it's very easy to get caught up in buying these really cute, fun, trendy items. I'm guilty of it too. And especially when you're at a friend's pampered chef party or when you're registering for a wedding, because that's what happened to me. Really take the time to think it through if you truly need this. Needs and wants are very different things. (laughs) And... Is there an alternative way to slicing an avocado? Yeah, like with a regular knife. (laughs) Or getting the pits out of your cherries? And how often do you really eat olives that you need a special olive picker? If there is a gadget that you absolutely need to make your life easier, then don't punish yourself, but do look for one that is high quality, can be repaired, and is definitely non-plastic. These are all small items that I mentioned, but don't forget about the big items, because there were a whole bunch of trends like the toaster oven, then the air fryers, Instapots, and now there's a thing called the foodie ninja, and they're all basically replacing last year's trend. And what happens to all those items? They're used one to two times and then tucked away into a cabinet for a while, completely forgotten about, and then eventually they're discarded. That covers physical trash. Now let's define what invisible trash is. Invisible trash is the trash you don't see as a consumer. It is the difficult-to-trace processes of resource extraction, manufacturing, transportation, and electricity production that go into making our everyday products. This includes the carbon emissions, water usage, land or materials, everything on the production line, even the labor. This information is really hard to gather as a consumer because it is difficult to find. For example, let's say you buy an item any item, and the package it came in gets thrown away. That accounts for 2 to 3% of the trash associated with that item because that's the physical trash. And the rest is all the invisible trash, the parts consumers don't see, the resources and energy to produce the item and transport it. Invisible trash is most prevalent when it comes to four main categories, transportation, food, clothes, and energy, and it's mostly because of the resources needed. Let's break down each of those categories. In regards to transportation, we'll take into account flying. If you have your ticket on your phone or bring your own meal and snacks, you can also bring a reusable water bottle to fill up after you go through the line at security. These are all great sustainable actions. However, don't ignore the giant carbon footprint air travel leaves. 
If you are able to get to destination via an alternative method, then choose that. But if not, then focus on a sustainable airline and do the best that you can. Flying only a couple times a year can constitute up to 40 to 50% of your carbon emissions as a person. That doesn't even include when you travel to work, running errands, or your kids going to school. Food. We have talked a great deal about the packaging and visible trash part of food. However, there is a lot of invisible trash associated with food. It comes from resource use. Were forests cut down to make room for farmland? Because that's happening in Brazil. How much water went into producing each item? The machinery used to plant and water and harvest the food items. Chemicals used to control the pests and the weeds. Is the food an animal or an animal product? If so, how much food and water did the animal use up? What about the processing of the animal or animal products? The meat and dairy industry emits more carbon dioxide than the entire transportation sector combined. Ships, planes, trains, and cars. Then you add in the factory to package the foods and transportation to get it across the country or to other countries, and then to each grocery store and finally your home. I live in Indiana. You know that. <laughs> and you know what I can find in the grocery store here in Indiana? Bananas, pineapple, European chocolates, spices from India. All of these items were transported from other countries to get here. It stinks because I'm a foodie and I love to explore the international aisle. And now I cringe and I feel that eco guilt every time I walk down it. Can you still have these items? Yes. But I just want you to be mindful of them and definitely don't waste them. Reduce how often you buy them and savor them while you have them. I want these items to become a treat now instead of a staple. On average, a product you buy in the supermarket has been packaged 19 times before hitting the shelves. What? Yeah, 19 times before it hit the shelves. For example, let's look at a mini Kit Kat. That's my favorite candy. <laughs> it is individually wrapped because it's a mini and it comes inside of a plastic bag that holds 24 other mini Kit Kats. And that bag came inside of a case that held 12 of the bags of mini Kit Kats. Those cases were piled onto a pallet and then wrapped in saran wrap to prevent them from toppling over in the truck used to transport them from the distribution center. Prior to that, consider the resources needed and used to make each ingredient in that Kit Kat, chocolate, milk, sugar, etc. Each of those ingredients was grown, farmed, harvested, sent to a factory to be processed and covered in plastic packaging individually or as a pack or a case and again as a pallet and then transported to a factory to where they were then turned and made into Kit Kats. You see how all of that adds up after a while? And that was just one item. The next category is clothes. Every piece of new clothing you buy in a store arrived to that store in its own individual plastic bag. It was then taken out of that bag and hung up. And that's why when you buy it, it goes back into a plastic bag so you can take it home. Because <laughs> that makes no sense at all. Let's look at a single t-shirt. Think about the amount of energy and resources used to grow the cotton, harvest, turn it into a fabric. Then off to the factory where dyes, water, electricity, and labor are all added into the efforts of making your t-shirt. It takes 2,700 liters of water to produce the cotton needed to make a single t-shirt. 
That's from the World Wildlife Foundation. For us Americans, that would be 713 gallons, which is absurd for one t-shirt. Once it is made, it will then be individually bagged and shipped out to stores. And if you think you are saving the world by online ordering, think again. These items will still get shipped to distribution centers. The last category is energy, specifically in the form of electricity. We flip on a light switch to light up a room or push a button to turn on a TV, laptop, or phone, and it is all so easy. The process is to create that electricity, use a lot of resources, to the point of creating an entire another podcast episode. <laughs> but the quick version is, yes, we do have clean energy available, like solar and wind, but that's really not enough for the consumption the world demands. Not to mention the amount of resources needed to create the solar panels and the wind turbines. And as great as these products are, they will eventually break beyond repair at some point. And then what happens to them? Plus, solar and wind are not enough right now, so we are still using fossil fuels. All forms of electricity still go to a power plant that we have to use resources to build and maintain. Transformer stations. And we still need electric poles and wire to carry the electricity to each and every house, office, store, factory, streetlights, etc. Yes, you can still use electricity. I'm not saying that you've got to live back in caveman times. But be more mindful of it. Turn off the lights when you're not in a room. Unplug items when they're not in use. Purchase energy-efficient light bulbs, but also consider the amount of electricity used to make your clothes, process your food, and to support traveling. This is the ugly side that consumers never see. And unless we rely on research or ask for someone to tell us, hey, that's me. <laughs> or like Austin from Ethic, when you use his web browser extension. Now that you know this information, you can share it with others too. Remember, that's your challenge for this week. Earth Day is April 22nd, so I'm going to dub it Earth Month all month long, starting now even though we're a little late. I want you to really focus on this, and this week your challenge is to reduce your invisible trash. Stay tuned for next week's challenge, where we'll be talking about some really cool Earth Day starter ideas. Until then, Sustainer Nation, I want you to continue to save the world one sustainable action at a time, and I will talk to you all again next week. Have a great one. Bye.